What's up, everyone, and welcome to Mike Check. I'm your host, Mike Velasquez, and this is the podcast where we'll talk about all things fitness, wellness, rehab, and more importantly, the constant pursuit of knowing better in order to do better for the people that we serve. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Mike Check. I'm your host, Mike Velasquez, and today I'm excited to be joined by Claire Michalak. Did I say that correctly? Almost. Mahalik. Mahalik. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten that. All right. (laughs) Um, What background is that from? Polish. Polish? Mm-hmm. We think it was we think it was changed too because the way it's spelled, it's definitely not how it's supposed to be said. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, awesome. So I am lucky enough to have you as one of my coaches and interact with you quite often. Um, but for those that may not be familiar uh, with you, do you mind just starting off with a little bit of a background about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So right now I'm a coach with um, Resilient Training Lab. I started with them right at the end of pandemic. Uh, which was a, such an intro, introduction to the field, which is great. Um, but yeah, so I got my um, certification in personal training about a year ago, actually. I finished it right at the beginning of 2020, as well as my precision nutrition um, certification and kind of took off from there. Uh, my formal education is actually from Quinnipiac University. I was a graphic design and English student, <laughs> so a little bit off the beaten path, um, and eventually found my way here kind of through the avenue of powerlifting, and have just been kind of running with it ever since. All right. Very cool. Um, so yeah, definitely a different, uh, you know, not where most people sometimes usually get like, I know Ryan and Paul kind of had their undergrad in, you know, um, kinesiology and kind of the strength conditioning side. So mm-hmm. you took a little bit of a different route, which I think is pretty cool. Um, were you involved, like, where was your first introduction to kind of resistance training as a whole? It was probably um, in high school, actually. So I was on the softball team, and we did a little bit in the weight room. If you asked me what we did, though, I could not tell you. <laughs> I remember the I remember the trap bar, and I remember the leg press, and that's pretty much it. Um, from there, and it was just kind of um, your local commercial gym stuff, and playing with all the machines, and not really knowing what I, knowing what I was doing, um, but knowing that, like, okay, I'm getting stronger somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it something that you kind of enjoyed right off the bat or was it something that you kind of weren't too interested in um, as far as like, you know, doing that as part of like your just softball training? That's kind of how I kind of figured it was more of an accessory than anything. I was more interested in the softball side of things, but I did enjoy it. And I did, I was like, Oh, I'm strong. This is kind of fun. And it was always great to compete against your other teammates and be yeah, like, yeah. all right. So who's going to load up the leg press today? guys?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, was that something that you kind of, did you keep on lifting um, kind of like into college, anything like that? I actually didn't. So in college, I think it was just kind of your typical, uh, very stereotypical cardio bunny, you know, elliptical for 45 minutes, maybe hit some dumbbells and then call it a day. I didn't really get into strength training until until I really started working, actually. And I started work, working with a personal trainer who was like, hey, uh, you're a little strong. Do you, do you want to try squatting today? I was like, all right. Yeah. We'll give it a while. And that started that rabbit hole, <laughs> um, did really, really well. And I just, I started picking up the movements pretty quickly and started following a bunch of different, um, powerlifters on Instagram. Uh, weirdly enough, I had kind of started that whole fitness Instagram craze at the time and seeing a bunch of strong women doing these things that I didn't even know were possible. It's like, you can lift 300. What, what is this? <laughs> so from there, it was just, I was hooked immediately after that. 
Very cool. Um, how long was it until you, you know, the idea of maybe getting your own personal training certification? Um, like how long did that take kind of after you maybe started, like you said, you had worked with a personal trainer while you were mm-hmm. working. Um, how long until kind of that became something that you thought about a little bit more? I want to say six months or so. Like it was, it was pretty quick. I, I really developed these relationships with a few of the trainers at the gym and had that kind of reputation too, as that girl who was doing weird stuff in the corner. <laughs> so I, I was having these conversations with them and seeing what they were doing and enjoying my own experience and figured like, Ooh, this is something that I really find interesting. I love the science aspect to this. And it was something that I was kind of missing in my current industry, this like growth potential and just interacting with people in general. So once I kind of saw what they were doing, I was like, all right, I kind of want to try this. And at the time I was like, let me just do this on the side. Like this will be fine. And then <laughs> then that kind of shifted. So, very cool. Um, now, I like I had gotten my CrossFit certification, so you have to go through like you know the weekend course for the level one, and then you have an exam there. Um, but even just like getting my CSCS, that was kind of just you read the textbook and you took the exam. Um, what did your kind of certification process look like? It was exactly that. Actually, it was all online at the time, and it was just hey learn this information, be able to answer some test questions that looked like SAT questions. And mm-hmm. then you're ready to go. <laughs> Which, looking back on it is a little bit terrifying, but yeah, it was just learn this information, regurgitate it on a test and then go ahead, bud. <laughs> Have <Yeah>. some fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, thinking back at like when you were going through that information, did they touch on, um, kind of any, you know, how far did they go into like, you know, coaching movement? Um, did it take it from like the lens of kind of breaking things down so that it only looked like this particular way? Um, kind of how, and how did you kind of take that information? Do you just kind of take it at face value at that point? Or were you already kind of questioning maybe some of that? I'd like to think I was questioning it. I always, well, I would be reading some part of the textbook and trying to apply it to my own lifting at the time too. And be very stumped. Like I remember giving myself the overhead squat test and being like, wow, I'm just terrible. Why, why am I still like terrible at this movement? I can squat over 300 pounds. And now of course now it clicks, but at the time I was like, okay, this must just be, uh, there's room for improvement. Okay, here we go. And there were so many aspects of that at the time with the, with the textbook of like, this is how we break this down. If you see this, this is what that means. And it was very black and white of, all right, this avenue leads to this, and then this leads to that. And if that doesn't lead to this, then you have to go all the way back to the beginning. And it was not always treating people like they were fragile, but definitely looking, picking apart certain things and really trying to define those quote, quote, problem areas and be like, okay, we're going to solve that issue. <laughs> and now, of course, with my new like frame of reference, like, oh, not not as simple as that seems <laughs> Yeah, it uh, it definitely lines it as this like linear process. And again, if you know if, if something isn't going the right way, you can just take a step back and then like get right back on path to that linear process again. But um, definitely a little bit more complicated <laughs> than that. Um, that's for sure. Um, so I know you had said kind of at first you were kind of thinking about you know, maybe coaching being more of like a, a side thing. Um, when did you kind of start to consider jumping into that kind of full full steam ahead? So right at the end of 2019, looking back on this is so funny, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm feeling pretty good in my job right now. I think I can move to a part-time position with them and maybe freelance on the side and just have a little bit more added flexibility in my schedule and just kind of give this a whirl, maybe start slow, you know, just as a little side gig. And then about three months later, we hit a global pandemic. So 
I, that was the kind of the, the, not the earth shattering Eureka moment, but it was definitely this moment of why wait, you are, you're in this perfect position now, even though it may seem terrible and terrifying, but the world is shut down. Go for it. <laughs> you know. Um, and from there it was just, okay, here we go. If you're going to do this, like you're going to hit it hard and you're going to do the best that you possibly can. And well, if, if not, it's a global pandemic, you can find something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now and kind of making that decision. So I, you know, you, you probably had like a stable job at that, at that time, kind of doing, you know, what you went to school for, um, did you kind of have any conversations with like family, friends kind of being like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, this thing and like leaving something that I know um, that I went to school for, for doing something that, you know, I really, you know, I, you, I have a certification in it now, but like, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's really new. Um, like, did you have those conversations? Was it, cause it's, it's a little scary. Cause I kind of did that <laughs> same thing. Like I was, I worked in insurance for a little while and I coached CrossFit part-time, but then the opportunity came to me that I could jump at it full-time. But then, you know, the idea of leaving a job where I had benefits and all this stuff for going on something where I really, I wasn't going to have that same, you know, coverage. I wasn't going to have a 401k, that sort of thing. You know, it it was scary. Um, So did you kind of have a, you know, similar, similar thinking, you know, behind that as well? I did. I had a lot of conversations with uh, my parents, my friends, and even some of my coworkers too at the time of just this, like, just kind of feeling it out and seeing what the general consensus was. And it, it was so hard to kind of keep my own vision in, in the middle of this of like, okay, this is my life. This is exactly what I have. But at the same time, I was in the best position possible because I had worked for a not for, like not-for-profit association. So I didn't actually have benefits. I didn't have a retirement. It wasn't like I was walking away from this huge um, area of stability. And in some ways, I was looking at some of the jobs that I would be eligible for. And I'm like, well, <laughs> they have health insurance. <laughs> so <laughs> it might be a step up. And that was, that was the best thing, actually. I, and for the people who had kind of been following with me with powerlifting and saw how much I loved it, they were like, you love this. Go pursue it. If, if it doesn't work, you at least have a backup plan and you know what you're doing for it. And I am so, I'm so thankful for that though, too, because if I think if I had had a a ton of pushback, I don't think I would have done it. And, you know, I'm definitely, you know, glad they, glad that you did because, uh, (laughs) you know, I think it's definitely something that you're really good at and you can definitely see your passion come through it and, you know, all the different things that, you know, just when you're coaching on the floor and then also just like the posts that you have on social media and stuff like that. Um, now for me, like leaving insurance, like I, didn't really enjoy that at all. So really like that part of it, it wasn't like I was leaving something that I really liked. It was like, you know, I want to get as far away from this as possible, but like, you know, the thing that's holding me out is like the benefit stuff. Like, were you enjoying kind of like what you were doing, like in your um, job at the time? And was it something, you know, was it something that was just like easy to leave or was it kind of something that you, you know, enjoyed and you're like, um, you know, I might miss this too. It was a little bit of both. I have to say, I, I had some really, really good coworkers actually. So um, it was a three-woman office, <laughs> and from the very beginning, I had worked directly with our executive officer and um, our assistant, um, Sarah, who she, like, we had so many different things in common, and we, it was so funny. We even, like, looked similar, so, like, we had, like we drove the similar car and this and that, and <laughs> our members would, like, get, get us mixed up all the time. It was, but, so it was this wonderful environment of, like, support, and because I was the entire grafting and, like, the whole department, basically, I had so much freedom to kind of build whatever I wanted to. So it was hard to kind of leave this kind of 
momentum that I was that I generated for the company. Um, but actually, I, have, I was able to kind of stay on in some sort of part-time role. So it wasn't as jarring, okay. I think, as it was. And I loved certain aspects of the job. We would do these events every month or so that we, we always pretended that we were putting on a wedding because it was this networking event for like 120 people. And it required so much organization and planning and forethought. And our members were so appreciative. And it was so nice to talk to them at these events. So it was that part. I was like, oh, I actually do like working with people in some capacity, not all the times, mind you. (laughs) But I really, really liked this idea. And it was nice to kind of, you know, connect people together, help them enrich their business in some way. Or um, my favorite thing was like, we were able to put on these like documents and these printed materials that I was able to design and they would be, you know, shown throughout the year and they would be helping the businesses in some capacity. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I like this. But other than those few things, there was there was really wasn't any growth potential. And at the time I was trying to figure out what, what my, my next step would be. And I couldn't see it going forward. It was just going back or kind of sidestepping. And I didn't love that, that kind of idea with that. Yeah. Um, now starting off as a coach, like, dude was, do you remember, like, did you have a, a first client that um, you kind of started off, you know, training yourself? Um, did you kind of just experiment with like just your own training at first, um, kind of what did that look like in terms of like when you were just starting out kind of being a personal trainer? Um, so <laughs> it started with uh, my first initial position that literally only lasted three weeks because of the pandemic <laughs> was uh, designing these like 45 minute classes in the middle of a gym with like three pieces of equipment. I think we have like TRX dumbbells and I want to say like a med ball <laughs> and that was it and of course it was for every client from like someone who's like 65 with like you know who has like knee pain to a 25 year old who's like I'm just here to work out yeah. <laughs> at the time I was like oh my god <laughs> this is a lot um but started there and then um on like the programming uh, side I just was kind of programming for myself at the time and the relationship that I had with my personal trainer was very collaborative too so I would either see something online or a new strategy and we'd kind of talk about it and see if it would implement into my strategy and we were able to play with a lot of different modes like I think I ran like 531 I ran like a conjugate program I ran I ran German volume training <laughs> we don't talk about that yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> um so it was nice because I was able to kind of get that aspect and a lot of the more powerlifting specific stuff in my own training and then just kind of experiment on the side with um designing what a 45 minute workout would look, would look like that um, could apply to so many different people all at once. Yeah, that can be, uh, you know, definitely daunting a task, but it it definitely makes you think, you know, to have to kind of work with people on that kind of spectrum from like someone who's relatively young and again, may not have any injuries versus someone who's a little bit older that has maybe some, you know, joint injuries that they're kind of dealing with just in, might be, you know, chronically. Um, so at least, you know, it, it's a nice exercise and just kind of thinking about how to like progress and regress things. Um, so, so that can be, you know, that I'm sure definitely had its use. Um, (laughs) I got really good at Tetris. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it, but it sounds like you had a, a really cool relationship with the personal, the personal trainer that you were working with at the time, because, you know, I can see someone being like, like, yeah, that's a great idea, but like, you know, I know more because I've been doing this for longer sort of thing. So um, it, it's cool that they seem like they were open to kind of just your ideas and kind of you're ex- your wanting to experiment a little bit with your own training. I was so thankful for that too. And it was, it was nice because they, they recognized that, you know, while they w- would be able to get me stronger, they had that knowledge base. They didn't have the powerlifting strategy base, if that makes any sense. So like 
they didn't quite understand like arches in the bench and or they like they threw me into sumo without even really trying conventional there were so many like little things that we were able to kind of experiment with that I think a powerlifting coach would have just been like nope I know exactly what you need to do here we go um and I think it was nice when I first started because I kind of started from scratch I did I had been in the gym in some capacity up until that point too but had never used a barbell before or anything like that so it was kind of a fresh slate so I'm happy we didn't specify so quickly and I was able to try so many different things like I was using fans I was using chains I was using you know every sort of movement every you know and I think that that really made me I'm not going to say a completely well-rounded lifter. And I think there might've been some things that were probably out of my ballpark, but it got me curious and it got me, you know, excited about to learn new things and kind of take that like autonomy too. of like, Oh, we're going to try something new today. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's really cool. Um, Now, like when you were kind of started off, maybe it was like, you know, that you only had that position for about, you know, I think you said three weeks before the pandemic started. So um, thinking about just getting started, like what were, what were you most excited about in terms of like working with people? Um, you know, your, your past experience with kind of having a personal trainer was very positive. So, you know, what were you trying to create for people when you kind of started and and jumped into that realm? So at the time I just wanted to start, I really didn't know exactly where I wanted to end up. And I knew at the time, of course, from having, you know, personal trainers in the past and having them as friends in that capacity as well of, you know, they kind of described the first few months as like just being in the trenches and just <laughs> kind of putting in the work and putting in the 60 hour weeks and just trying to get everything kind of figured out. So in one way, I was ready to do that. And I just wanted to start that. But on the, the whole guiding principle was to really just see, see what my personal trainers had done for me and try to do that for other people too. And particularly for me, it was also women. Like my, my journey into strength sports gave me so much more confidence and strength and discipline. And, um, it helped me fix a lot of, not quite fixed, but it helped me learn more about the foods that were fueling my body and kind of just gave me this whole picture of health that I was lacking and I didn't have any direction on before. And I wanted to kind of provide that to new people and, um, see what I could do in any capacity too. And the other side to it too, is just, it's nice having a support system that supports you in growth and strength and, um, and in learning new things. And I was lucky enough to have one and I wanted to provide that for other people. Yeah, that's really awesome. And, you know, I think, especially in terms of like helping me other women, you know, get into resistance training and things like that, because, you know, I think back to, you know, just in our college gym at UConn, like the split was always like, at least the way that that gym was set up at the time, it was like the top floor was like all the cardio equipment and there was like some machines up there. And then like the bottom floor was like the two weight rooms. And it was like always like all the bros in the weight rooms downstairs. And then like, for the majority, like all the girls, all the females were on top. And then, but like, you know, every now and then, like a few girls would like wander into the weight room. And it was like, it was like, I always thought it was really cool. Cause like, and again, at the time, like, I don't know, I've just have been used to just, I don't know. It's, it's never been like a challenge to me to have like other women, like outlift me or anything like that. Thankfully, <laughs> um, because I still get outlifted all the time. Um, but, so like, but it was, it wasn't like the typical thing for it to be like, you know, a lot of girls in the weight room. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think it was, it's really cool that kind of, that was something that you really wanted to push because, you know, you know, unfortunately you look on social media and it's like, you know, it's not the thing, like typically, thankfully there's, it's kind of maybe becoming more uh, acceptable and like you see more women get involved in resistance training, which is awesome. Um, but I think especially maybe where you ended up now, we can maybe transition over to kind of how you, 
kind of got started with resilient training lab because I know that they, um, just the population that they were dealing with kind of majority, um, were women just to start off with. So how did you come to meet, um, you know, Paul and get involved with them? Yeah. Um, so I met them at, so I met the whole like resilient crew and I didn't really even realize it at the time, but we had attended a seminar, uh, last, last January or February or so, um, up at lightning fitness. And it was just like a coaching, um, seminar. And I, I had met, um, Paul, Eric and Ryan, and then, um, a few of the resilient clients as well. And at the time it was just, Oh, I was like, these are great people. This is like, I like what they kind of talk about. And it was nice to just be so casual with another powerlifting crew. At the time I'd, I had known a few of the other ones in the state but didn't really click with them yet too. So I was like, oh, this is a new population of people that I don't know. This is great. Um, and they ask good questions and they just seem to be very supportive. Um, so cut to about midway through pandemic and Paul actually reached out and he was like, hey, like I see like you have your certifications and like you've been working on a bunch of stuff. Uh, I have a proposition for you <laughs> at the time. So he, uh, he mentioned like how resilient is run and kind of laid it out for me. And at the time I was terrified. I was like, Oh, like I've never coached anyone in this capacity before or like if ever. And at the time, the the way this is kind of um, segmented is we have our own like LLC and it's very like self-generated for for at that that point. So I wasn't ready to jump yet. I was like, no, like I have another job lined up. Like I should be fine. This is great. And then he's like, okay, that's that's totally fine. Understandable. And then a few months later, while while pandemic just like extended, we... He, he reached out again and he's like, so how's that other job looking? And at the time I was like, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> and so I signed on with them and they, they basically put me through like the RTL mentorship program that we run right now. Um, that's more, more, more detail and more um, specificity to RTL and just kind of got me caught up to speed and then have me on as an assistant coach. So I'd be shadowing them throughout their coaching hours. And we just started with me uh, nutrition coaching as well as I kind of got comfortable with our clientele. And the rest is history. I'm still here. I'm loving it. I feel so privileged to uh, be a part of such a cool crew. And it's just, I, if you asked me like what I wanted to do when I first started coaching, I didn't know it was this because I didn't know it was possible, but it's this. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Um, Now kind of having them kind of mentor you sounds like around through that process, uh, how did kind of the things that they were introducing you to or covering with you differ from what you had learned kind of through your certification process? There was a lot of conflict, I have to say. Um, for the better though, there is there are so many narratives that I had kind of left over from my certification that they demolished. Um, and one of them is just like treating a client as a person and not like the, the sum of their parts kind of thing. Or it's like, oh, this person, like this is this person's bad knees, this person's bad shoulder, this person's this. And at the time, like, that was just what, like you, what I had been kind of framed to believe of like, we are correcting people. Um, if you don't have perfect technique, you're going to get hurt. Um, it is our job to correct and to guide. Um, and it was just, there are so many different narratives that were uh, negative and just the way they approach people in general, it was just a, such a more human element to it. It, allows for so much more flexibility and longevity and client autonomy. It was just like full. <laughs> um, and it was, it was, I just didn't even know it existed. It was fantastic. And it also kind of included more of the powerlifting stuff as well. So you just do squat bench and deadlifts, of course, but that made me very, very excited too, because I didn't think that that was applicable to your typical population. So I thought that was just going to have to be some sort of side gig or one of my like niche passion projects on the side. And now they're, 
I'm not going to say fully formed because it's not like, you know, powerlifting is the end all be all, but it's definitely those kind of concepts have really, really meshed. And I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, now it sounds like you were relatively like pretty open to kind of those challenges that they kind of brought up to kind of the teaching that you had already gone through. Um, do you think that it, because it was, you know, it had been relatively like, you know, not super recent, but like that you had gone through that process that it made it easier to kind of abandon those prior beliefs that you had, or at least maybe kind of be willing to take on another viewpoint. Um, because I think sometimes, you know, the longer that you're just kind of, you hold on to a certain belief, like the hard, the harder it is to kind of change it. So do you feel like it was to your benefit that it was, you know, maybe early on that you kind of were met with that clash of information? I definitely think so. I think if my beliefs had been a little bit more deep seated, I would have thrown up a lot more walls and been a, a lot more defensive too. Um, and I think I was, I was already a little bit defensive and just more for like being vulnerable and being wrong. I was, I was not very used to being wrong (laughs) and, and not in, not in the sense of like, there's wrong and right and this and that, but I would do something or say something and be like, Oh, that was not the right move. That was not the best decision. And being so open and have them comment on that. It was kind of terrifying at first. And I remember my first week on the floor, I had all of these kind of clashing narratives in my head of like the way you talk to clients and the way like we really try not to. And there were some moments that I would just get so tongue tied. And so like double checking myself that I was like, I mean, sure. Okay. (laughs) And (laughs) so I'm happy that that seems to flow a little bit more easily, easily now. And I think if I had been in this industry for longer, I think I would, I would have fought a lot harder. Um, but that's why I feel so privileged to kind of have them initially too. It just gives me so much more of a solid foundation. It just feels like I'm, I'm going to have so much better foundations for my career as well too, especially with their core values. Like we have education every week where we, you know, discuss different research studies and we talk about things that we've seen in the industry that we don't, you know, fully support or don't like and how we could potentially change them and things like that too. So those were things, those are like core principles that I hadn't really had yet or couldn't really vocalize yet. And now they're such a part of my career that it's just kind of like natural at this point too. Of like, oh, what did you learn this week? Oh, only one thing? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's cool because like, you know, I'm sure, you know, having that continuous like push to kind of develop as a, as a coach and just, you know, the fact that you guys have like, you know, the research meetings, like every, you know, every week, every month, um, it just kind of continues to, cause you, people just get stuck kind of doing, you know, the same thing over and over again. So it, it's great that they kind of are, are pushing you to kind of keep developing as you, as you go. Um, how do you feel like, you know, and maybe this is more than one thing, but what do you feel like is the biggest difference from like Claire pre resilient to Claire you know, even Claire day one on the floor versus Claire now. Man, (laughs) it feels like it's been a lifetime. I think I've only been there for, I think like eight months, but it feels like I've just been there for a really long time. I think, oh man, there, there there's so many things professionally and personally too. I think on a professional level, I feel so much more confident talking with people and while, and being open to new techniques and advantage and like just working with the person in front of me rather than like a textbook definition of something of we're going to be flexible in the way we get to your goals. And we're going to kind of make these different adaptations as much as we need to. That's okay. We're going to, you know, we're going to make that change. Whereas Claire before would have been like, oh, I only know two different ways to get there. And I don't know, you, you got to pick one. I'm sorry. When it's like, no, there's another way to do this. <laughs> 
Um, and I think on a personal level too, I just feel, I don't, I don't want to say it's not quite confidence, but it's just a lot more security. I think I'm, I'm very much more secure in the person that I am and what core values are leading me rather than the ideas that are leading me. I think if that makes any sense, like I, I'm not fully into, you know, one method of training or one nutrition strategy. Like I'm not, you know, like keto 102%. And I feel much better about that too, because before I feel like I was trying on different hats and being like, this doesn't quite fit. I don't really like this. Or, you know, always having some sort of like subconscious friction of like, this is not who I want to be. This is not what I want. And I'm, I'm happy now to realize that like, if I'm not happy or if I'm not um, feeling solid in some of the choices that I'm making that I can change. I can do this. I can do this a little bit differently. And if there's something that can be more efficient, there's probably a way to do that. That's okay. And when I remember when Claire like first started it with me, um, it was (laughs) (laughs) as I talk in third person, um, it was just, I remember being like, all right, so I'm going to have to sell supplements and I'm going to have to sell overpriced training and under deliver and work 65 hour weeks and just hate everything and this and that. And to think of back on that, it's just like, no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you don't actually have to sell your soul to make it in this industry. And I think that's been probably the, the biggest change overall. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Cause you know, just having to, you know, the thought of like having that, having to be like what you have to do and like not being fully comfortable with that. Um, you know, I'm sure it isn't like the greatest feeling ever, but knowing that, that there, there is another way, like you were saying, you know, there, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, you know, I'm glad that you've kind of found that for yourself. Cause you know, I know that that crew is, is very, you know, obviously I'm biased because I, I you know, <laughs> work with them, but, um, that's kind of, you know, that's what originally brought me kind of like to learning more about them because, you know, I kind of saw the messaging that they were putting out there on social media and I was listening to Paul on, on different podcasts. And I was like, you know, with what my kind of beliefs are, it seems like it aligns with, with theirs. Um, so it kind of made that connection really easy to, to have. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, of connections, um, how did you come across the level up initiative? Oh, I want to, I almost want to say it was you actually. <laughs> um, that was, was that wasn't planned. That was, not <laughs> <laughs> are you sponsored? Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was either you or Paul. Um, and I think in general, I ended up following them on Instagram and loved the idea of it. I was like, this is fantastic. Just from my own um, experiences and not so much with like physical therapists, but like within, you know, seeing my, my physician or my you know, healthcare provider, I've had a bunch of different experiences. I think we all have where we had either a really, really successful meeting and a you know, successful strategy session, or you walk out of a doctor's office and you're like, well, I was not heard and I'm not happy about the solution. And I'm going to have to like, I, there's been so much frustration in that and seeing all of this activism and, and just also just as a person too, of being able to critically think it's huge. It's so nice that people are like, I know this is a really hard thing to do critical thinking is exhausting, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not, not easy to kind of think about your own thinking and like challenging, <laughs> yes. you know, yourself just constantly, but you know, that's kind of how we get better at, at doing that stuff is being, you know, re- realizing that we always have to kind of like self-reflect and always try to improve upon our interactions with other people or just kind of being willing to 
challenge ourselves and, and kind of what we believe, because it's easy to just, you know, kind of like look at confirmation bias all the time, and like just look for information that supports you. Um, so it's definitely, it, it's challenging, but it's, you know, I, I tend to think that it's, it's a rewarding process. Um, now tell me about like your experience with that, because I obviously have, go- I've gone through it and I've been a mentor through like the physical therapy side of it. Um, kind of being, a you know, on the strength and conditioning side as a coach, like what is, what does that look like? Um, you know, are there, who is like in your group um, and kind of what kind of things do you talk about in terms of like, um, you know, cause it still covers the same concepts with like communication and critical thinking. Um, but does that, do you guys talk about anything differently in terms of like, you know, um, like working with other healthcare professionals or is it kind of just in your interactions with clients? What does that look like that side of things? Sure. So I have a really cool group. Um, we have, I think, two strength coaches and we've got a few people who are still in, in um, school um, who do CrossFit. And then we have also have two yoga instructors. So it's this very, very interesting, like fully formed group. I wonder if that was intentional, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, really cool. It, it's amazing to see how much we have in common too. I think just through level up in general, like you don't go to them unless you want to be better at communicating and critically thinking and, um, and just being better for your clients or your patients. Mm-hmm. And, the, what we've been talking about is it's very, very similar across the board in terms of, you know, giving the person in front of you a strategy or the way you talk to them. And it, there's more things in common, I think, between industries than we want to believe. And I love how collaborative it is, too, as well. Like, we have um, our two yoga instructors are very much like, yes, strength training is so important. Like, yoga is not the end all be all. And for our, our strength coaches, it's like, absolutely like this is an amazing thing like you should be able to do things like activities that you enjoy and this and it's just very it's it's nice it's great to see so many people working collaboratively and respectfully and and to a common goal too as well I think you know the the only thing that's different in our responses is literally just the way we kind of respond to the case studies and it's been funny we don't I we have um, our, our uh, proctor is like our is a PT but the rest of us aren't so we're in a like a case study and it's been uh, wait, well, we don't have patients exactly. And he's like, no, 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 I know. <laughs> replace that with clients or replace that. <laughs> like, just little, little bit, um, bits and pieces there too. But it's been great so far. We're in the middle of uh, module two and I've, I've just been really, really enjoying it so far too, as a person and as a coach. That's awesome. Um, now going through, you know, some of that stuff, you know, obviously like on the physical therapy side of things, like we kind of deal with, you know, having people as, as patients, but it's not like as a, you know, being that you spend so much time with people like throughout the week, um, you, you probably interact with people more consistently and and like long-term than like I would, um, how, you know, how has your experience with like dealing with someone that comes to you, that's dealing with pain and training changed from again, maybe what you learned if they covered pain at all in like your certification material to kind of where you are now, if someone in the gym is coming to you and they're like, Hey, you know, my shoulder's bugging me today. Night and day difference. I, I don't know if admittedly, I can't even remember if my certification talked about pain so much as injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all about the injury of like, okay, if you have a client who's injured, like this is what you do. But I think now, obviously it's so much more of a conversation and talking about a variety of other factors. And it's very, very hard to sometimes too, if you have someone who you know has been told um, like nocebic narratives by people in the past too as well, or comes to you with like a certain, well, I had this procedure done and it worked and I need to get another one again 
because it worked. And it's like, I think you're probably right. But like it's, it's one of those things of kind of talking them through the elements that they can't control, especially if, like in during a depressive session or in the rest of their week where you don't, you know, you never want to tell, tell a client that like, oh, I don't know if that's really working for you or not. And, you know, that's completely up to them of like what, you know, what sorts of treatments they search out and things like that too. But I think now initially I would always be like, oh, you're in pain. Okay, we'll stop. That's totally fine. And now it's, okay, let's see what our, our elements are. Let's see, you know, if we can work through some of that today, you know, if we have any other um, alterations that we can make to your program or it makes it you're still moving, but you don't have to, you know, you know, it's not getting worse throughout their set, like a bunch of different, like little kind of advantages and fixes. And it's nice to see it week to week too. Cause like, if there is a problem too, where something does become starts, it looks like it's starting to come, become chronic. We can refer out like as soon as that kind of happens and just kind of stay on top of that, even from all the other elements that we can control. Hey, how are you sleeping? How are you eating? What does your stress look like? These are the elements within our control, whether or not you have an injury or not. Like, let's, let's work on those. We can, we, you know, we can actually really, you know, control those. And then, you know, if there is something that we need to do, we'll do it. So, and it's nice to have those conversations with people and then also build their trust with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from a strength coach perspective, like you're almost like first line in the fact that you're probably going to hear about some of that stuff before they get to someone like me. Um, so I feel like, you know, at least in my past, like when, before I had gone back to school, you know, if someone comes to me and like, they're dealing with, you know, an injury or they're in pain, like I'm trying to like pivot and avoid from that as like, I'm like, all right, like your shoulder hurts. We're not going overhead today. Um, versus like now, like, even as like from, from a coaching perspective, like there are a bunch of variables that you can kind of play around with to at least kind of still make it a productive session. And because, you know, we know that pain is very multifactorial. It's like, let's see, let's just kind of get what we can out of today's session. And then, you know, we'll just kind of adjust as, as we need to, because maybe tomorrow you wake up and you're absolutely fine. Like we don't, you know, we don't know. Um, so I think that, you know, you have like the, obviously like yes, everyone has to stay within like their, their scope and like know when it, when they have to refer out. Um, and I think having being, you know, involved with like resilient, like you have like the physical therapist that you can refer to and like ask questions to, if you need to, um, but like you can kind of, you have tools available to you to kind of make those adjustments before they even get to the point where like they have to go to a physical therapist or another healthcare provider, um, which I think is really cool. Agreed. And I think that our environment at Revolution 2 is so helpful too, because we have so many pieces of equipment that can change, you know, you know, we have so many options and I have to say, it's very nice to like, if I have a question about something where like, I'm like, I don't know if that actually like should be kind of checked out. I can just run over like 15 feet to Ryan and be like, Hey, <laughs> I have someone and I've got a question. So it's, it's so nice to have those connections, you know, within, and even like, even with you or like any of the other coaches, it's so nice to be able to like just question things and have that not quite immediate feedback, but it's nice to have so many people. Like, it's like whenever our clients walk through the door, they have a small army of people like, all right, we're going to keep you training and we're going to keep you happy. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's nice, especially to have just that, to be able to say, you know what, like, I don't know, but I can figure, I can ask someone that might know and like, just find that answer for that person because we're not going to know everything. Um, so kind of being able to identify that and just still knowing that we're trying to do best for that person. So, you know, whether it's me or someone else, like we'll try to find that answer for you or kind of do a, do what we can. Um, so it's nice that you have that kind of team support there because, 
you know, I think that communication between fields is really like ultimately like what, like the best scenario from, you know, from the coach's perspective, but also for the person that, you know, we're working with too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I know that you also do some nutrition coaching as well. Um, talk to me about like the difference between coaching nutrition and coaching just, you know, the training side of things. Like, is there a difference? Do you feel like, you know, I feel like maybe with nutrition, there's a lot more kind of maybe like emotional side of things that might be attached to that. Like, um, have you, have you found that, um, in, in the nutrition side of things, or is it kind of, you know, sim more similar than different? Good question. I want to say you're definitely right on the emotional side of things. So whenever, whenever I develop a strategy for someone, I do kind of want to know their history, how they feel about food, how they feel about their bodies. And there is kind of that, we have this really weird, weird association where the way we look is seems to be the, like the quality of person that we are or how we look or what we eat de determines our value. And I'm always trying to coach those so separately. Like we, we need to not, you know, we need to stop assigning value to food of this is good. This is bad. This is black. This is white. And I try to kind of incorporate that in my, in my um, coaching itself. And that's probably a little bit different than strength training, even though I bet you, I think in strength training, it's probably that like strong versus weak dichotomy too of like, well, I'm not that strong or like, that's who I am as like, that's kind of who I am as a, uh, as an athlete. I'm not strong. I'm um, you know, I'm not diligent. I'm not determined all that kind of stuff, but um, it definitely has a little bit more of an emotional core, I think in nutrition and it's more life coaching. I swear than anything too. Of course, you know, I, I give my clients, you know, macro breakdowns and ranges and things like that too. But at the end of the day, it really is. It, it always seems to be like, this is a person in front of me who knows exactly what they should be doing, but needs a little bit more accountability or just needs to remove some friction in their life that makes their nutrition goals kind of come to the forefront too. So whether that's fixing, you know, their sleep routine, Hey, you know, is, you know, sunlight beaming in, in the morning and that's why you can't sleep. Like little like fixes here and there that it's not just this huge overhaul strategy. It's just these little tiny things that we can fix from week to week and kind of build on that. And I think that's probably the biggest compare, like biggest similarity though, too, in, in strength training too, where it's like, all right, did we have a little bit more weight on the bar this, this week? Did we move a little bit faster? Are we feeling more confident under the bar? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, I love being able to do both. It's so exciting to do both. And I really love having clients who I can, I hate to say that it's like such a confirmation bias, but I love when a client comes to me and is like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I should be eating this much. And then like, they go hit like a deadlift PR and they're like, yep, I filled my training today. <laughs> yes, here we go. And it's hard because it's, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work like that too. And you don't want to just base that off of all the wins because like, it should be kind of more finding happiness in the process and, you know, just feeling your body just, you know, nice to live and be fueled. Um, but that's like one of the most gratifying things is helping people kind of navigate that idea of, okay, what do you really want? What are we willing to sacrifice for the goals that you have? And also, do you even have to sacrifice in the first place too? Like it should not be this entire thing where you feel restricted and this and that, like there are ways around this. And I feel like there are so many narratives, especially within the nutrition industry that it's like, nope, carbs are bad. Just nope. Don't even look at them. <laughs> We're try trying to fix that a little bit by bit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, um, you know, I've one of my, my nutrition coach and like, she's a really good friend of mine, Jess, like we've, I've had her on the show before. And we kind of talk about like in both training and nutrition, there's like, you know, that false dichotomy of like good versus bad. And like, you know, 
same thing with like, you know, form on a deadlift. Like that's, you know, there's the red X and that's bad. And there's the green check mark and that's good. And then, you know, there's the white piece of bread and it's X mark and it's bad. You know, there's the whole grain oatmeal and that's supposedly better for you, like sort of thing. So it's like, and it's tough because like people are so, you know, unfortunately just like you're kind of like, it's an uphill battle because like you can go anywhere. There's so much like conflicting information out there that, you know, people have heard million different things and having to say like, no, it doesn't have to be that way can definitely be challenging. Cause like, I'm sure you've dealt with like, some people are definitely more open to that than like, than others. Um, so like, how do you deal with someone that like, you know, they come and work to you and this can be, you know, either from the training or nutrition side of things. And like, you're telling them, you know, you know, you're actually going to be eating more than you're used to. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's, they're <laughs> like, like, the way, like, they're like, I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like lose, lose weight. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> so like, how do you kind of deal with that? Um, kind of right off the bat. So I really try to meet them where they're at too, and try to push the little things that I can too. So if someone comes to me and they're like viciously under eating, I'm not going to just bump their calories up by like 500 calories. It's, it's just too much. And the amount of times too, I've had someone who like is only eating like 10 grams of fiber. And like, I was like, okay, we're going to eat more fiber. And they're like, no, it's going to be terrible. I'm like, no, it's going to be okay. <laughs> but it's, it's a little bit of handholding at first too. And it's really trying to concentrate, concentrate our energies on the things that they're already doing well. So finding little wins in that too, whether it's like, Hey, did you eat three meals today? That's fantastic. Do you want to shoot for four? Do you want to shoot for a snack? We'll see how that goes. And, um, I kind of, depending on where they're at too, I either focus on like a, uh, a bottoms up or a top down approach too. So if you have no foundation at all, we're going to start there. All right, cool. Let's start with a vegetable today. That's totally fine. Here we go. Or if they're at the top and they're like, Hey, I've been tracking macros for 15 years. Like I know exactly what I'm doing, but here are the few things that I think are going wrong. We'll start exactly there. We're like, all right, we're going to keep doing what you're doing well consistently. And then we'll start tweaking a little things that we, that could maybe help your strategy overall. So really just meeting them where they're at. And then also just taking advantage of those little openings too, of like, oh, they're a little bit not, you know, they're not super sure on this point. Let's see if we can kind of hit that home and, and build their trust in that, in that element as well. So it's always about trust of, hey, do you trust me? Do you, is this okay? Um, and if not, then we'll, you know, I'll kind of wait until I earn that basically. Yeah, I think that meaning them where they're at is like so huge just in terms, and that kind of spans multiple fields of just like having to understand where that person is and you know definitely like for me like it it can be hard sometimes because someone can come in and they're just like they're so like deep-rooted in like these beliefs that we know just you know due to more recent research that just isn't necessarily as correct as kind of our updated views but being have to be like okay like I'm just not going to say that all of that is wrong right right off the bat like you might have them kind of start to question things here and there, but like just having to be like, all right, take a deep breath. Like, let's just kind of like you alluded to kind of stack some wins and then, you know, just get some consistency going and then maybe things will evolve from there. Um, so I think that's, that's so true, though. Cool. But like the narrative part too, it's like, if you have someone who's like so firmly embedded, you do have to just, and I think especially it happens with us on the floor all the time too, of you know, a narrative will pop up. I've got low back pain because I've got a herniated disc. And we're like, oh, and like, we're like, okay, when did you herniate it? Eh, 25 years ago. Okay, here we go. And yeah. <laughs> I think when I first started it, you know, we, I remember having like a client who had like seven narratives that like I, I had just learned were bad. So I was like, Oh, I have, like, I have an answer to all my yeah. No one wants to know that they're wrong. No one wants to say like, 
hey, the things that you might've been doing have been, you know, costly and this and that that might not have actually been doing anything. No one wants to hear that. So it's such an experience to kind of learn when to hit those narratives and, or even like, I think my favorite new strategy is just to kind of give them questions when something happens like that too, of like, um, I'm trying to think of like one off the top of my head, but you know, something where like, okay, so I had pain when I did this, but also had pain when I didn't do this. Like, okay, let's continue thinking about that. That's a really good observation. Let's continue like thinking about that in the future. So maybe that would like, maybe deadlifts didn't cause your back pain. That would be really cool. <laughs> like, and you know, but you have to be very, very careful about that too. And you know, you never want to make anyone feel stupid either. And I feel like that's, that can be such a fine line too, especially if it's such a firmly held belief. Mm-hmm. So that, that I'm hoping to like learn even more about that as I, you know, continue to coach, because that's probably the biggest, like, okay, how do I solve, not how do I solve this, but how do I, how do I address this? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, you know, continuous learning process. Cause you know, I still, you know, I'm still relatively new in like the field of physical therapy, but like I, definitely will kick myself after certain interactions that I have or certain things that I say. And I'm like, Oh, that was like just absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think it's as long as you can kind of reflect back on it and just like try to be better on the next opportunity that you have, then that's really kind of really all you can do. And like, just push to, to get better. Um, Cause there will, I'm sure. And that, that's actually like why, and I kind of still like to like, you know, if I have the opportunity to kind of still shadow other PTs or coaches, um, I love it because, you know, you can hear someone else, someone else's way of explaining something and you can both be saying the same thing, but the way that they say it just kind of connects more with, with, with resonates more with that person. And then you have like that in your, in your back pocket for maybe the next opportunity that you need it. Um, cause you know, you can try to say the same thing, but like my way of saying it and your way of saying it, you know, even though the message is, is the same, it sounds different to the person that you're saying it to. And one of those might just make more sense to them. Um, so for me, like that's, it's always still something that I'm, I'm always going to be looking to do is trying to just like, and maybe that's part of like my learning style too, is like, I just like to watch and like listen to people. Um, but that for me has been like super helpful. Well, and I have knowledge is only so, you know, it, it's so nice to, to learn something and apply it so immediately. I think that was been my, my favorite thing of being able to apply all the things I've learned through RTL like pretty much immediately. And I completely agree with you on that as well. When I first started, I didn't know how to vocalize anything. <laughs> like I was, I, I remember trying to coach a de- like an RDL for the first time and being like, uh, hinge, hinge, then hinge the thing. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. And now I'm just like, okay, now you have like a process. This is good. But yeah, it's, it can be so hard sometimes too. And I love when you hear something and you're like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I'm just always like, yep. Stealing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the time. Um, kind of wanted to zoom out a little bit and kind of think about just kind of coaching in general. Um, if you had to think just like from like the a general sense of kind of coaching, like what do you think is possibly like the most underrated quality that a coach can possess? I think, weirdly enough, I think being flexible is probably the most underrated quality. I feel like there's that stereotypical, like, football coach, whistle in the mouth, profusely sweating, just yelling, just yelling in general. And I think when people hear the word coach, they have the idea that someone's going to just make them be in pain, make them be really aggressive and be 
uncompromising and the way that we're going to get to places. And I think the more, you know, I see it at, at RTL and the, the more I kind of see it in the industry, the more solutions you have, the better you're going to be as a coach. Um, and it's one of those things of like, your client doesn't have to compromise on their goals, but you have to be flexible about the way they can get there. Like life, ha- if, we, if we need a bigger example of it, try making gains in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if anything that this year taught us is, Okay, so your mom of four with four kids now at home with a with a band and a kettlebell still wants to make some gains. Let's get creative. So I think it's that creative that creativity and that flexibility of just being open to a lot of different things can be very very helpful as a coach, and that you don't have to be that like fire under someone's ass to just make them do horrible hard things, and you don't have to yell and you know just be open to you know it's it's that's a full thing of like communication to your client of strategies with your client programming things like be willing to be wrong, be willing to try and be willing to be flexible in general. Yeah. I, I really love that. I think that's tremendously, you know, underrated for sure, because I feel like from like more of like a sports coaching perspective, like people have always had this idea of like the team or the athletes have to like adapt to the coach's style of like, that's just, you know, that's just how he is. Like, that's just how, who she is. Like, that's how she coaches. He coaches. Like you just have to learn how to adapt to that system where really it's like the coach should be able to adapt to his athletes or her athletes versus like it being like just this one way of like it's the coach's way or the highway. Um, so I, I love that you said the the flexibility there. Cause I think that's, you know, and especially this past year, definitely true. (laughs) Um, So, um, on the flip side, what do you think is maybe the most overrated quality that coach can have? So this might step on a few toes, but I actually think when a, and I think it's just the way it's used. If a coach like weaponizes the athletes on their roster to, for their own validity, that, that bothers me so much. Like, well, I coach Tom Brady, so I'm just amazing. Like, well, what can you like Tom Brady is probably an elite athlete because he's been you know in the industry for a bajillion years has probably really good genetics and has all the resource with it what are you going to do when you have someone who walks through the door with none of that like I want to know how you treat other people who are just like mom and pop normal you know without the (laughs) the genetic component or anything like that um and I think it's if you have you know if you have an elite athlete on your roster that doesn't necessarily mean you're a good coach and the same thing with like experience weirdly enough i i've seen experience weaponized so many different ways and especially with like being politically correct nowadays or like not being up to speed with you know trends and being um inclusive and diverse if you are you know if you use like well i've been doing this for 25 years and i'm not going to change because i know what i'm doing because i've done it for 25 years i feel like that's a really bad mark on, on you as a coach and it just gives you more fuel to not change and not be adaptive so i think when it's used in that way, I'm not, not completely discrediting experience because it's a very like valuable aspect of this too. But if it's keeping you in your own echo chamber and making you stagnant, that's when I think it's a completely overrated quality. Yeah, no, hundred percent, especially in like the fields of, you know, strength and conditioning. And then, you know, in, you know, in just science in general, like it, the field is going to always continue to evolve. So it's like, you can't just keep doing things the way that you've been doing it for 25 years, because like, you know, we're going to look back 25 years from now and be like, why the heck were we doing that? I mean, hopefully, hopefully. Right. So like, I, I, I would agree with that as well. And I think sometimes too, like 
not only just using maybe this necessarily the, the athletes that they coach. Cause like, look, Tom Brady can go to Tampa Bay and your team didn't, even, <laughs> yeah. your team didn't even make it to the playoffs this year. So like really how good of a coach were you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a Patriots fan, so that's easy. <laughs> um, but like, also like maybe like how good, like as a, um, lifter or as a performer, the coaches themselves. Um, so like, I know some like high level athletes that, you know, are really good athletes, mm-hmm. but they like, aren't necessarily the best coaches because they're the best athletes. Yeah, um, yeah. so I think it, that also kind of plays a, a role in that too, because, you know, I think one of the things that make, you know, that's made me such a, a better coach than like I maybe could have been was like I had to like struggle especially like in the world of CrossFit like Mm. to like learn certain skills like Mm -hmm. nothing was really like oh like this is rings like this is how you do a muscle up like I had (laughs) I watched like more YouTube videos on like how to do (laughs) like I can even imagine and like had to like just practice and practice and like figure out ways to make it work and then like I feel like that's helped me kind of become a better coach because like I know for some people that aren't just going to be able to grab a pair of rings and pull themselves over it, like how to kind of break it down. Um, so I think that that kind of tie, ties along with what you were saying too. It's funny too, because I've actually had the opposite kind of reaction because when I, that's the thing, when I stepped on the powerlifting platform for, for, the, for the first time, I like, I had an 810 pound total without really trying. Like I walked into the sport with, you know, all like, it was just, I was built for it, you know? And I've noticed, especially as a female too, I love it as an advantage, but it gives me a lot more respect than I think I've earned <laughs> sometimes, um, which is great as I, you know, I want to leverage that whenever I can. However, it's also made me so much more self-aware of like, make sure you earn that respect. Like make sure you don't just get like, you know, comfortable and rely on that aspect to it too, because that also has a shelf life too. And it's, it's just that kind of responsibility of like, no, you also have to be able to coach. Yes, you can walk the walk and talk the talk, but make sure that that is actually coming from, and you know, you're always consistently growing and not just adding pounds to your total. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you kind of may have been just walking into the sport of powerlifting and just been like made for it and like really good off the bat, but like, it's not like you don't kind of continuously like push yourself. Like it's not just like given to you. Like I know that you train like after coaching like a lot and it's, you still kind of push yourself very hard. So that by no means is that like, just because you're good, like you're not going to be a good coach, just not isn't, like <laughs> automatic. Um, mm, yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of important to acknowledge too. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but now that we've kind of been going on for about an hour now, so I definitely don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciated kind of getting to know kind of your background a little bit more and kind of talking about, um, just kind of your experience kind of learning as a coach, because I think, you know, the learning process, even if it's, you know, strength and conditioning coach versus physical therapist, like we both have to kind of go through the same process of, you know, maybe challenging certain beliefs that, you know, were taught to us early on in our careers. Um, so there's, there's really more similarity. I think in talking to people on kind of doing the podcast, like I realized even across fields that there's more similarities than differences a lot of the times, which is, which is really cool. Um, so I really appreciate you kind of taking the time out of your day to uh, jump on with me. Yeah, of course. No, this is awesome. Thank you for having me. Um, for anyone that's kind of interested in kind of, you know, following you, um, how, what's the best way to contact you, reach you um, on social media or, or anything like that? 
So uh, you can reach me at Claire underscore Resilient, and there's no I in the, in the name Claire. <laughs> yeah. um, you can also follow us at Resilient Training Lab, and we do actually have a new um, free Facebook group too. It's Resilient Barbell. Um, if, if you want access to that, just send us a DM and we'll add you to it too. But a lot of people post um, some other technique videos or uh, some just general information that's really, really helpful for lifters. So we we'll recommend that. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for jumping on. Um, that'll do it for today's episode of My Check, everyone. If you haven't already, um, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you would like. Um, but otherwise, I'll catch you guys in the next episode.